Now, at this right here, we're still figuring out the technology. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So this is a a continuation of First Corinthians chapter fifteen on the the resurrection, and um, I'm going to center myself here in spirit and in geometry. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I wasn't sure which one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was uh, through through college. Um, I learned uh, carpentry, and and worked as a as a carpenter and building houses through that and afterwards. And uh, and so you learn to to eye things and and um, and so because of that, I I now just have a. I naturally look for things. If I see a straight line, a vertical line, and a horizontal line, I just have to line it up now. <laughs> and so, kind of a compulsion. <laughs> so, anyway, so yeah, so so we um, two weeks. I think it was two weeks ago. Um, we looked at the first half of, of chapter fifteen of First um, Corinthians. Uh, which is the um, the greatest chapter on the resurrection in Scripture. I'm going to offer that to you. Okay? You usually don't think about that. Um, when, when people think about, um, or we, um, we think about, in Scripture, we think about you know resurrection end times. We we naturally think about which book of the Bible? Revelation, right? Yeah, um, it's it gets a lot of attention, and, and and rightfully so. I mean, it's a it's it's a big book. It's the last book. It's 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 amazing. It's apocalyptic. You know, it, it's mind blowing. Um, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, but it's also, sometimes we forget that, that the primary reason for, for, for that book is to encourage the church, you know, beginning back when it was given, on how to, how to persist, how to live, how to endure, and, 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 by understanding the, the nature of, of the risen Christ and the nature of the battle that we live in. And, and so, so it's, it's an encouraging word. It's, an, it's a book of encouragement of, of this is the way things are. Christ is risen. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and He has you know, propped His feet up on a footstool, and He is in the process of subduing all of his enemies, all of his enemies, and so, and we see, you know, at the very end, you know, the, the, the culmination of the age. But in between that, it's, you know, there's a lot going on there, and the 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 purpose of it, though, is not so much to tell us the date and time of of when it's going to happen, and it's again it's apocalyptic 
whereas we have the epistles and some very straightforward statements about the return of Christ. And the rule of interpreting Scripture always begins with, you start with the simple. You start with the simple and, and you work from that. You don't start with the most complex and build. You start with the simple. So, and, and so that's why 1 Corinthians 15 has been you know, understood as, as one of the greatest, um, as you know, the greatest chapter regarding the, the resurrection. And so, so that's why I, I wanted to, um, to, to go into this. Uh, so, so we went through the, the first half of it, and, um, and I'm getting somewhere with all of this. Um, so th there's been a, a couple times, or one, one time in my life, where I can say that I, I felt like a, a village idiot. <laughs> you know the, the picture of what a village idiot is? Kind of the one who runs around, you know, repeating the same thing. You know, something's happening. Something's happening. You know, the sky is falling, and um, and that that was the time that actually preceding when I got shot and when we were living in Uganda. And um, I don't think that's getting ready to happen again to me, thank God. But um, but one of the things that 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 we have been talking about, and you've heard David talking about, they've heard me talking about that. Is, is we have a real sense that God is doing something new. He, he's doing something new. And, and when, when David and I first started getting together and talking some, you know, how many years ago? 15 years ago? Yeah, 17 years ago and, and praying, we had a, a real sense that... Um, that the Lord was was at work, and and even this this idea that that there was a not just a renewal coming, but but even a a a, a new um, yeah the word just reformation. Thank you, a reformation, and and so we've been holding you know, holding this in our hands loosely and, and trying to understand, you know, what this, you know, what this could be because it's, it's, you know, you don't want to be airing about something like this because it's a pretty big thing to say that, you know, there's another reformation coming and, and what could that, what could that look like? Um, but I've, and, and we've become, you know, more convinced that, that there's something new that the Lord wants to, to do in the church and um, to to renew the church, to renew you know the church's understanding of its of its mission to to help propel the church toward the the, the you know its final push toward the return of Christ, you know to to prepare the bride for her final destiny, for the marriage supper of the Lamb, that she would be adorned and ready to receive the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And really, I just said it. That's what I think it is. I think it's the resurrection. 
um, what as as I have 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 prayed and and um, the thing that I've become more convinced of is is that we have have lost this um, this sense of 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 really of hope that 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 not only have we been saved you know into this marvelous salvation but we have been that that Christ is returning for us you know that 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 is that is the central that is the foundation of our hope um and you know, and it's it, I've been convicted of it because I think about how often you know I talk to people or you know when I when I explain my faith to others. Um, when does the resurrection actually come up in the conversations? And I have to, I mean, I'm being honest. Not enough. Not enough. And. If if you remember two weeks ago when we we talked about Paul and his you you'll be familiar or you may be familiar when when Paul talks talks a lot about his his weakness and particularly in the, in the beginning of of First Corinthians and in, in the opening of the letter he he talks about coming to them in in weakness in in fear. And in trembling, and and basically feeling stupid, you know, and 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 one of the reasons was that that the first that the the, the Corinthian church had a very low low view of of Paul. Um, they referred to him as, as there's evidence that 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 they referred to him as as an abortion, pretty nasty word. They called him a dwarf. Um, we see that in the in the beginning of uh, chapter chapter fifteen, and, and it's one of the reasons why he referred to him as 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 the least of the apostles. Um, and um, but primarily, the 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 reason why Paul um, talks about being coming to them with with in fear and trembling and 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 not in words of wisdom is because of the message of the resurrection because the message of the resurrection was stupid to the ears of the corinthians to the ears of 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 the erudite greeks you know they they understood and they were aware of of the idea of a resurrection from the dead um, and but they just thought it was a ridiculous a ridiculous idea um, apart from that too they thought it was a disgusting idea you know a, a, a body from a grave you know, and and again, this is this was 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 you know Greek thought of the day that that the flesh was bad, the spirit was good. So they you know they did a lot you know in their their mind 
you know, the, the sooner that they could divorce themselves from the flesh, the better, the better that off they were. And so here comes Paul and, and the rest of the apostles in the church coming with this message of, of you know, not only are we going to be redeemed, but um, our Savior, the one who we worship, was crucified. He was buried, and his body was raised from the dead. And to them, and to the Greeks, that was, that was, your Savior is a loser. Doesn't sound like a conquering, doesn't sound like a conqueror to me. And also, it's, it's just disgusting. It's disgusting. And so, so, Paul, as he shared about these things, you know, it, um, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. This is chapter 1, verse 18. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so that is the, the only thing that he had. Verse two, chapter 2, verse 1, And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I desired to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The Corinthians, even after they accepted the message of salvation, they still wanted their ears tickled with, with the wisdom of the age. Um, Paul refused to bend, and they, it made them bitter. But, but getting back again to... This message of resurrection, as, as, as you look at it in the New Testament, is, it is central. It is, it is absolutely central. And, um, and so, when, so I'm, I'm, I'm totally off message today. So I was going to teach on the second half of, of 1 Corinthians. And, um, and, and the Lord just kind of messed up my brain. And, and um, because this is what I, you know, I've, I've come, become convinced of is, is that we have, to, we have to regain this understanding and, and the message of this message of the, the resurrection being absolutely central to everything that we say and do, that we say and do, that it is, um, it is the power of God, that, that the greatest miracle that ever, and the greatest miracle that God ever performed was raising Christ from the dead, that that is, that is our hope, that is our hope. So, so anyway, that's where, that's where I'm beginning this from so does that make sense you guys tracking with me okay i appreciate that so 
I'm going to try to piece some of these things together. So um, I am going to, we are going to go through a, a little bit of, um, uh, I can get my, my bearings here. Thank, thank you for, for being patient with me. Um, so let's, let's do go to um, the, the verse 35, and, and, and let's do look at, at some of the, um, the, the, the second part of, 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 of chapter, chapter 15. Um, Paul, Paul writes, but some of you will ask, how are the dead raised, and what body, and what kind of body that do they come? And so what, what Paul is doing in, in, in the second half of, of this chapter is he's talking about the nature of the resurrection body. And, he, and um, so he's beginning with you know, going right after the, the, the Corinthians, the, the church there discussed with the resurrection corpse. Um, and by, by explaining uh, that, that because Christ was raised from the dead, um, I totally lost my train of thought. That because Christ was raised from the dead, that that victory has been given to to us, and that that death has been defeated completely. Um, and this, and so Paul Paul says. Um, in verse 37, um, first he says, You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Verse, and verse 37, And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps a wheat or some kind of grain. And this is a, a direct reference, if you'll remember, to, to Jesus speaking in, in John chapter 12, um, when the Greeks approached Jesus. Um, when the Greeks sought Jesus, uh, in verse 20 of chapter 12, not, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and asked him, We wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. For whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it, will keep it for eternal life. And so what, what Paul is, 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 is saying here that, that out, of our, out of our bodies, like, like a grain of wheat that falls, the resurrection body will come, and so there, there will be a, a relation to our dead bodies, but it won't be the same body. And that's, that's, that's important to understand. And so he's, in, in, in a way, he's, he's letting, he's kind of rebuking the Greeks for, for thinking that an actual dead corpse is going to be raised out of the grave. And, and showing them, no, 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 it's not going to be like that. It, it's, 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 it's like literally like a seed that falls. And so the body that's going to be raised is going to be a new body. 
a new body. And so in verse 38, but God gives it a body that he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another kind for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For stars differ from star in glory. So, this is something that's pretty amazing. This is what's happening. Paul, all through, all through the, first, the 15th chapter of Corinthians, there are echoes of Genesis chapter 1 and 2. So, um, let's see. Listen, uh, let me read it. Read a few, thing, a few places. Uh, and God said, this is from verse 11 in chapter 1 of Genesis. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetable, vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kind, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their own seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Um, and God said, this is verse, verse 14, let, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens, to separate the day from the night, and let there be signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights and expanse of the heaven and give upon the earth. And so, and so it was. Um, and uh, let's see. There was a... And so, yeah... I would encourage you to, to read one one and two of of Genesis um, because because what what Paul is doing is is very clear and you have to remember that you know Paul was basically a rabbi he was he was an expert on the Old Testament and and Paul is 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 basically setting up a recreation story of Genesis. A recreation story of Genesis, and and in in doing so, what what he is saying is is that our new creation is a mirror of the old creation. He's given a, a a theology of new creation that is a, a a recapitulation of the creation account, and so what what this and and I, we don't have time to, to fully get into this because it's but right now but basically in giving a, a a recreation story it is showing that that god had all along our new creation in mind from the very beginning the it's, it's really important. From the beginning, and, and Paul sees this. Paul sees this, and, he, and he's showing us this by, 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 writing and by writing a parallel 
in verses 38, and it, and it goes on to verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of dead, of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. What is sown in weakness is raised in power. What is sown in a natural body is raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And, and what, what Paul is doing here is, is beginning to show a difference in, again, this recreation narrative that he is, he, that he is creating is that the natural body, you know, animated by, by, by God breathing into Adam, and we'll see this in, in some further verses, is now being animated by a spiritual body, um, by the very spirit of God. Um, and this is, this is part of, of the, the new creation, and that the old body was a temporal being, and the new body, the spiritual body, which is imperishable, is part of the new creation that is empowered by the eternal spirit of God. But what Paul, again, what Paul is, is showing us is that there was continuity from the very beginning. That God had in mind always from creation, new creation, that you and I are not a plan B. And that, that, changes, that changes everything. That changes everything. Verse 45, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. So this is, from, this is directly, a direct quote from... From or direct reference from Genesis two seven, where 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 God in creating Adam from dust breathes life into his nostrils, and we know that Jesus is the second Adam, and Jesus as the second Adam now has become a life giving spirit. So again, Paul is is giving us a recreation a recreation narrative. Verse 47, The first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As, the man, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Um, and this, so this of heaven Again, Paul is reframing the, the new creation, this recreation, instead of being from dust as Adam was, of heaven is referring to what animates us. What animates us. And also referring from, from you know, our origin now in the new creation. Our origin, it's not where we're going to be living because Christ is going to return from heaven and reign with us on earth. So it's referring to from, from, for eternity, as Christ is from heaven, our recreation, our new bodies, are going to be animated in the same way as Christ is. So as Adam was 
first created by God from the dust, Christ, as the new Adam, is now a life-giving spirit, a creator himself. You following me? This is this is changes everything. It changes everything. Verse 49. Just as we therefore, and this is a therefore, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, let us now also bear the image of the man of heaven. So this is an admonition now that. Because we have now been made into the image of Christ, we are now called to live as Christ lived, to live according to Him. Um, I love uh, Paul. Paul also carries this point home in, in Romans chapter 8. We can go there. This is a, by the way, this you know, chapter 8 of, of Romans is, is, is really all about our resurrection hope. Um, we often just think about Romans as being a book about, just about, you know, being freed from the law. And, but Romans is so much about resurrection and our resurrection hope. And so... So Paul writes um, in, in, in verse eight of, of chapter, chapter verse 12 of chapter eight, "So then brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, but the implication is we are debtors according to the spirit, to live according to the spirit. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. And so we have been made in the image of Christ now. We've been set free and been given his spirit. So now we, have, we are actually debtors to live accordingly. Our life is no longer our own. We are called now. And, and you know, so another way Paul speaks in another place, we are, we are slaves now to righteousness. And, and that's why, you know, for some of us, it, it becomes actually harder when we become Christians. Life gets harder. You know, because we, 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 we still cling to the old ways. And, um, and that's because we are living contrary to our new nature. In a very odd way, that should give us hope. <laughs> that should give us hope. So, 
Um, and and just th this is just something as an aside, just you know about the the image of um, being created, and is just pondering about what our resurrection bodies will be like, um, because you know not only are we are we called to 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 live accordingly because we have been created in the image of Christ, you know we're in that we are because we are still in that space of the already and not yet. We have been renewed by the Spirit, and so we're called to, to live in the power of the Spirit, but we still await the, you know, the resurrection of our body. But, but it's, it's, I think it's, a, it's fascinating to, to, to reflect on uh, just the, what we know about the resurrection body of Christ, what has been revealed to us um, the, from the gospel accounts of, of Christ you know, at the tomb when Mary sought to, to cling on to him, you know, he, he kind of pushed back at her, said, you know, don't cling too tightly because I might, you know, he was still somewhat in, in, in process, if, if you'll remember. Uh, on the road to Emmaus, when he appeared to the disciples, they didn't recognize, some of the you know, disciples, they didn't recognize him. So in some ways, he was able to veil his appearance. And then what did he do? He disappeared into thin air. Um, when the disciples were praying behind closed doors, what did he do? Walk right through the door. Yeah. Appeared to them. Um, he also still had his wounds. Yeah, but 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 still they were they were um, uh, you know which which says I think says something about how it, we will be redeemed, we will be fully healed, but yet you know, there's going to be continuity and in, in that, that our, our past, we're going to be fully redeemed to our past. The memory will be fully healed, but also a full testimony to the glory of God. The slate is not going to be wiped clean. You know, the etch-a-sketches, you know, we just... You shake it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's so important for us to recognize that, that there is going to be a, a, a beautiful, glorious continuity between our past and into our future. And that's why it matters exceedingly, exceedingly, incredibly, amazingly, I'm talking myself into a cul-de-sac, a lot. How we live now, how we live now, because it's going to, it, because it glorifies God, and it, it even, in some ways, it's, and this is not a, a, in any way, a works righteousness. But Paul does, does allude to this um, earlier in 1 Corinthians, in chapter, in chapter 6, um, actually, um, let's see, it's, uh, actually not chapter six, it's, uh, 
and, and concerning the the, the 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 day that 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 then Christ returns that that he he ref- and I'm I'm just not finding the place right now, but it's in the one of the first few few chapters um, that that some of us will only escape the flames barely, um, you know, because of our poor stewardship of this age. So it is an admonition to live accordingly. So it matters much how, how we do live. Um, and so um, further, uh, let's see. So anyway, that, that just pondering the pondering the resurrection body of Christ um, in, Revela- in Revelation, we see him as you know him exalted, um, and the awesome uh, in in Revelation nineteen we see him coming as you know riding a horse, you know a terrible vision of him. So um, so it's 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 exciting to think about. So so verse fifty. Um, I tell you this, brothers, and this is moving on, moving on. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. What Paul is is referring to here is is the fact that um, if we have not died, we will all be changed for those who have not died in, died in Christ. He, and he is making sure that, that the, the, the church in, in Corinth understands that their, their bodies will, will be changed. But again, he is speaking to the resurrection. We shall not all sleep, but we will be changed in a moment and in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for the imper- for this perishable body must be must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality then shall come the pass the saying what is written death is swallowed up in victory o death where is your victory o death where is your sting now, this is one of the few places in Scripture where Paul actually repeats something three times. He repeats imperishable and imperishable three times. And what he is doing here is he is setting up a, a taunt song. And this, O oh death, death is swallowed up. O oh death, where is your victory? O oh death, where is your sting? Is a taunt song over death. And so Paul is literally dancing on the grave of death and um and one of the the important things about about the, you know the resurrection of the dead is that for those who are in christ there, there will not be one grave that is where there's a body in it and this is important because death has to be defeated completely so the resurrection will be complete and so death will be completely swallowed up in victory and so this is why you know paul really beats this one home and death is swallowed up oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting and of course the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to god who gives us victory through our lord jesus christ 
Now, I want to go back. Um, Paul, of course, here is, is, is speaking to the, to the resurrection. Um, and he, he speaks to it. This is a, a, a repeat or a reference to what he speaks to earlier in chapter 15. Um, and uh, if we'll go to, to that. Um, and uh, let me go back to this. Okay. We'll, go, we'll start with, um, with verse 20 of, of chapter 15. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each according to his own order, Christ the first fruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. And so, Paul makes a very basic statement regarding the end and that the resurrection of the dead will be completely, will be, will be, will happen at the same time of Christ's return. It's, it's, it's very, very straightforward. Um, there's a couple other uh, passages. And, and again, when you're building a, a theology of the resurrection, what you do is, is you look other places in Scripture where you start from a concentric circle. So you look at where Paul has, has written about this in other places. So we can, we can look in 1 Thessalonians 4.15. Well, I'll start in verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve others who do not have the hope. For since we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who are falling asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, and the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet him and meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Um, Philippians 3, we'll take a real quick look at that. Philippians 3, 30, 20. And Paul's talking about straining toward the upward goal of the call of Jesus Christ. Um, he's pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
uh, verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to that which we have attained. Brother, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in, have in us. Um, as I have told you, often he's speaking of those who fall away, and their end is the, the, the is a destruction. Their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Um, in Colossians 3, or since we're right there, 3.1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then your life will also appear with him in glory. Now, when, it's, it's worth saying that when Paul talks about Christ appearing and him coming in the air, this is a, this is a picture of, of and, and the Greeks would, would have, the Romans, excuse me, those under the Roman rule would, would have understood this as a royal visitation from a high Roman official. And so the idea is not something, someone coming, literally coming down out of the heavens. The idea is, is, is being called up as, as, as if onto a stage. And so, and so with, as well, with a royal visit, if, if a king was coming to the city, you would not sit in the city gates and wait for him to come into the city. No, you would go up and out to meet him outside of the gates and then come back into the city with him. And so this is, this is the picture of Christ returning coming in the clouds, and clouds is not a picture of literally the clouds. This is a picture of the glory of God. Think about the Mount of Transfiguration, when, 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 when the glory of God descended, and whenever the glory of God is revealed, there, there is smoke, there, is, there are clouds. And so, so when, when Christ is revealed to us, there is going to be a coming but it's going to be a royal coming. And so, so it, it's, it's not one of, of, of caught up in the air. It's one where we will actually be called up to join his royal presence. We will actually belong. It's good news. It's good news. And so this is our, this is our great hope. And uh, we're going to be talking more about this in, in, the, in the days to come, about how this great hope has to animate everything that we do and, and how this great hope is near to us, how the Lord is near to us. Heaven is another dimension. It's not far away. 
You know, Paul, in speak, speaking of the Lord, he said, Christ is near. He literally is right here. The kingdom of God is not far away. It is literally right here. When we think about, you know, Peter talks about, in, in 2 Peter, in referring to Christ's return, he, he speaks about in heaven how a day is as of a thousand years. So when is Christ, how soon is the return of Christ for you and I? It literally is the day that we go home to be with the Lord and a day in heaven. You think about that. That's not long. We were in, living in Uganda. I thought I was going to live a long time. I got shot, and I thought I was going to die. And so that was literally going to be a day with the Lord and His return. That's how close you and I are to the return of the Lord. Does that make sense? His return his is imminent for you and I. And we should be organizing our entire lives. It should be the motiv motivating force behind our lives. Living for that living for that, living for what comes after that. Living into that. That is our great hope. Thank you for bearing with me on this. <laughs> that, was, that was rough. Amen.